Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Rick Rule. Rick Rule is a favorite of the Real Vision community. If you'd like to meet Rick and get a masterclass from the master himself, you'll want to head to the Rick Rule Symposium on Natural Resource Investing in Florida, July 23 to 27. You'll get access to industry insiders, elite bullion dealers, gold council members, and uranium pros. Just head over to realvision.com slash rick for tickets. That's realvision.com slash rick. Is the U.S. soft landing a pipe dream? Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Summer Friday edition of The Daily Briefing. With me today is Nicole Atchison, author of the Crypto is Macro Now newsletter, which you can find on Substack. Hi, Noel. It's great to see you. Yeah, I'm really good to see you, too. So before we jump into the markets, I just want to take a moment to get a personal check-in with you because you recently went public on Twitter explaining that you are undergoing chemotherapy, hence the new hairstyle. So how are you holding up? How are you feeling? That's really kind of you to ask, Maggie. Thanks. I appreciate it. And, and probably you should fill in listeners that are on podcast and not seeing this on video, what we're talking about. For those that uh, I look different than the last time I was on your show, I have no hair anymore. I am rocking the bald look. And, and for background, back in April, I was diagnosed with stage two breast cancer, started chemotherapy end of May, hence the loss of hair. And I would deny that it was a to learn that I was going to lose my hair. No one likes to have their identity impacted like this, the way they look, especially when it's, when it's out of their hands. But once I got my head around the fact that this was going to happen, I decided to have fun with it. And, and to be honest, it is fun. It's a change that I didn't ask for, but once you have to, you know, just let rip and enjoy it. It's definitely low maintenance. I, in, I live in Spain. It's really hot here. And I will tell you, this hairstyle is super convenient. But also, Maggie, it's it's more than that. I, I want to do what I can to help normalize this. Cancer is such a taboo subject because it's it's very personal and it's scary, but it just has proven to be. It's something that happens to people. It's no fault of theirs. It, happens, it touches everyone at some stage or another, either personally or through people they know. And it's something we should be able to talk about. I was worried in the early days, I'll just digress very slightly here, that people would see my bald head and think of me as a cancer patient, that they would see me as ill. But I've discovered that's not the case, and, and that deserves talking about. Also, I'll give you a very quick before we move on. The other day I was heading out, and I was in the elevator of my building heading down. It stopped at one of the lower floors, and a neighbor I hadn't seen for a while got on, and he did a double take, and he then pointed to my head and said, is that voluntary? And it was no judgment, no awkwardness. He was genuinely curious. And I answered, well, losing the hair wasn't voluntary, but wearing the baldness is. 
And that made me realize that one message I do want to get out there more, Maggie, is that we have the choice. As women, you know, a lot is tied up in our identity and we, we do work on our looks and especially hair. I have a whole box of hair products I probably will be using again for a while. <laughs> but um, society doesn't expect of us necessarily what we think it expects of us. The initial reaction is to pretend that nothing has changed and look just the same as always, but that's not authentic. That's not the case. Many women would rather not attract that kind of attention. I totally get that. That was definitely me at the beginning of this journey. But we do have a choice. We can embrace change and questioning assumptions is something that all of us should be doing on a regular basis, whatever. Yeah. No, absolutely. And and I'm sure you're finding that the thing that people value you for is actually absolutely. your personality and your brain, um, which is, it, is mighty indeed. <laughs> and that's, that's refreshing, right? That's yeah, refreshing. It's, it's to, liberating. It's yeah. liberating as well to just start worrying about more fun. Like, and I know it's easy for me to say, and not everyone, you know, a lot of people will struggle with this in different ways, but we do have more choices than most of us think. Well, it's an incredibly optimistic spirit to attack this with. And I think I speak for the entire RV community when we say that we're behind you in this fight. Um, oh, thank you. I totally um, appreciate you being so transparent on your purpose. Because you're right. So many people have been affected personally or have had family members. And being open and normalizing this conversation is amazing. The fact that you're working through this and willing to join us and share your knowledge um, is amazing. Uh, I often love, say, talk, love people, talking to you, Maggie. Love talking. Yeah. To you. Well, I I, I often tell people that your newsletter is one of my go tos in the morning. Um, if there isn't anything else that gives us the smart macro and digital asset analysis, especially for those of us who are trying to learn on this, as I am. Um, and so you're way ahead of your time. You're totally badass. And we're your biggest fans. So thank you. Thank, thank you, Maggie. That's, that means a lot to me. Thanks. I appreciate it. All right. Let's jump in. And so interesting now. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it is. It's, um, it's good. And your spirit's infectious. So let's jump in and, and tease some of that knowledge out of you while we have you here for um, the limited time we do. So we're more than midway through the U.S. session. Stocks are up. The Dow and S&P leading. Nasdaq's a little flat, but so far staying in the green. It's the 10th day in a row the Dow's been up. We also have Bitcoin up, oil up, treasuries are mixed. What's top of mind for you now as you look across the markets? The risks that we're not pricing in. Let's face it. Uh, we were all focused on all sorts of risks just a few months ago. Well, we seem to have forgotten about them. I was reading this morning that most analysts and economists are now moving towards the soft landing consensus. I read earlier today that retail investors are more optimistic now than they have been at any time in the past 27 months. And this is just sending off a lot of alarm bells because you look around at what's happening in the world and even just in local earnings stuff, things are not great out there. Sure, we have inflation coming down. We have strong consumption in the U.S. We have uh, liquidity is easing. We have financial conditions are, are looking pretty good at the moment. There's very little signs of stress. In the financial markets, but that's today, you know, pricing ahead, which is what markets are supposed to be doing. There are clouds gathering on the horizon. I, I see two big risks, Maggie. We can get into more detail on them if you want, but the two big risks that I see that I don't think are priced in are earnings disappointments and inflation coming back. Wow. Okay. That's interesting. So let's break them down. In terms of earnings, 
I mean, so far, it seems like it's been pretty good. And people have been talking about the fact that corporate balance sheets look okay. But where do you see the disappointment coming in? Is it across the board? Is it in certain sectors? What has you worried? One statistic I've been thinking quite a lot about recently is that the number of U.S. bankruptcies in the first half of 2023 is the highest since when since 2010, mm. according to S&P Global Intelligence. Since 2010, and Maggie, this is when consumption is good. This is when employment is strong. We have the highest number of bank- bankruptcies since the tail end of the last recession, when things are good. Now, this is largely because of the interest rates, which we know are going to be remaining higher, probably higher, in fact, than the market is currently pricing in, but not higher for longer. You know the refrain. And bankruptcies are likely to impact employment. We haven't seen that yet, but we know it's coming. That's just simply how it works. And once we start to see unemployment take up, we can look at the chart. It moves fast. It always moves fast when it starts to take up and it becomes a sort of self-fulfilling spiral that there's not that much we can do anything about. Bankruptcies will trigger more unemployment, which will rein in spending, which will trigger further contractions, possibly more bankruptcies, et cetera, et cetera. Consumption is looking good today, but six months from now, the chances are very likely will not be nearly as strong because we're going to start to see that show up in the unemployment. And even just starting to see that, Maggie, is going to impact the stock market because the stock market right now is in, it's pricing in continued yeah. strong jobs market. When that hits the stock market, one thing we tend to overlook is the impact the stock market has on our spending habits. When things are looking great, we feel more you know flush. We're going to spend more. When we when we see headlines, even if we're not personally invested in stocks, when we see headlines about strong corrections, and you can just imagine those headlines now, right? Well, then we're going to rein in spending even more and the cycle and, you know, it continues to spiral down. That's not even taking into account things like student lower repayments, further squeezing consumer credit. The earnings revisions are, prob- are going to be driven by a hit to consumption, which is going to be showing up in further bankruptcies, contractions, and the unemployment taking up. And when the earnings start to disappoint, that is going to hit the valuation. And that is going to further hit spending, which is going to further hit unemployment. So, yeah, it becomes this sort of reinforcing cycle, doesn't it? Exactly. And sentiment is driven by many things, but one of them is very much also the herd mentality. We're hearing that there is a soft soft landing coming. The economists are smart. They must know what they're doing. Therefore, we can, you know, rack up debt on the credit card, no problem. But... Just look at auto loan delinquencies, credit card debt that isn't being paid off. There are clouds looming on the horizon. Yeah. And we heard from Amex today that that consumers are starting to pull back. So you are getting that little bit of, you know, anecdotal Amex off 4% today. Um, they miss revenue. You're getting a little bit of that anecdotal starting to pop through. I think some of it might be skewed by the fact that you do have the wealthy still spending, though. You do, and the wealthy will always be wealthy, but that's not enough to keep the economy going, especially when so much emphasis in the media and in all sorts of analysis and on your, you know, the guests that you've had. We do place a lot of uh, importance on the jobs market, as we should, yeah. because that is what keeps us going, right? But consumer weakness, not enough yet to lose a needle, but when it comes, and I'm sure it will, it'll be fast. So would, would you expect to start hearing that coming through in some of the earnings calls? Should we be listening for that? Because if you're a CEO, you think you want to start reining in those expectations, right? 
Yeah, we're already hearing it. I mean, I don't know if you heard the Netflix call, but we saw what the Netflix call did to the stock price and the earnings of Netflix beat expectations. This is they beat expectations and the stock price plummeted because of what was said on the earnings call. And this is Netflix, which is not exactly a big ticket item. Yeah, no, that's that's very true. Yeah. And and they've been making progress converting people. All right. So earnings potentially worrying inflation. Why do you see that coming back? It seems like it's finally moving in the right direction, moving in the Fed's direction. What's going to cause the U-turn? It's very good news that it's moving in the right direction. But let's face it, we know that core inflation is always sticky. The sticky inflation is starting to move, which is really exciting. But there are a few things that I'm keeping my eye on. One is the geopolitical risk. We saw the wheat price jump 10% this week alone because of the attacks on some Ukrainian court, uh, courts, as well as Russia escalating the language around some of the communications that's during on, on, on ships sailing into the ports. This is probably going to escalate even further, let's face it, because the war is getting somewhat exhausted and different measures need to be applied. This escalation is going to impact wheat prices, which, okay, doesn't make it through to the core inflation, but wheat prices definitely impact the misery index. And if you're spending more on wheat, you're spending less on other things, which is good for inflation, but really bad for political turmoil, really bad for currency volatility, et cetera. And this is not even taking into account the weather, Maggie. I don't know if it's hot where you are. It's really hot where I am. We're seeing headlines about record heat in Europe, North America, and Asia, which is going to impact crop prices for sure. Also going to impact other commodity prices because if we need to count on the waterways staying open for transport, we're seeing that already looking like it's not not necessarily a given. You can't transport copper, for instance. Copper prices are suddenly going to start shooting through the roof. So we have weather, we have geopolitical risk, and this, we also have the base effect. So you, just, just over a year ago, energy prices peaked. So getting a year-on-year improvement from that has not really been that difficult, and that has been the main driver of the correction in inflation that we've seen with this inflation. That wouldn't be surprised by the end of this year to start having year-on-year increases again on the energy prices, especially since the signaling coming from Saudi Arabia is that they want a higher energy price, and they will do what it takes to get that. We also have the United States with record low energy stockpiles at a time when its production is declining. So we have supply issues. We probably have spikes in demand coming because although we hear a lot about the demand for energy during winter, in summer, especially the one we're living now, you need air conditioning. You need to be able to cool your commercial centers Mm -hmm. and your factories. So we cannot be certain, but it's very unlikely price impact on the inflation that we've seen so far will continue going forward. So I do expect that we will get inflation coming back. And the market is so not prepared for that. So I was just going to say that so not prepared for that. In fact, Christopher in the chat says uh, Noel has identified what the bulls want to ignore. And Christopher, I was thinking of you listening to Noel because you and Bo and a couple of our, our other regulars have been worried about what they see as this sort of... Um, sort of bullishness or enthusiasm or risk on attitude, um, soft landing, throw whatever term you want on it. But, you know, people kind of looking aside from that. If we, if What's the timing of that, Noel? Because I think this is kind of important. If we start to see it come back, um, what's the timing and, and what market is sort of most exposed to that surprise, I guess? I'll give you an, an if-then sort of answer to that question. 
the current geopolitical situation continues as is, I expect we start to see an uptick in inflation towards the end of the year. If only for the base effect. We are going to have consumption coming down hard, and that is going to impact services, which has been the sticky part. But commodities are really important in terms of all sorts of services as well. Uh, one thing we are not paying any attention to, Maggie, and I'm bewildered by this, is we know the war is going to end at some stage. Let's hope it's sooner rather than later. The sooner, the better. But when the war in Ukraine ends, that is also a very strong inflationary event because there's going to be such a scramble to rebuild, a scramble for commodities. There's going to be easing. It is going to be inflationary. It's funny you say that. We, I, we, there was a point when we talked about the war all the time. It does not come up. The geopolitical conversation, as is often the case, has sort of yeah. moved to the back burner just because it's not new. Exactly. And as human beings, we are hardwired to assume the status quo will continue. That's just simply how most of us think. But we know that change happens. We didn't, okay, we saw the war coming, but we didn't see it coming. Just like we can see the end coming, but we're not seeing it coming, if that makes any sense at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're just, it's just until it happens. So this this might be a sort of interesting point to, to bring up um, something that Andrea said. Andrea Stena Larson just dropped the latest installment of Steno Signals today. I think it was today or yesterday. Um, and he's been thinking about the conditions that could lead to a recession as well. Let's listen to a clip from that. I actually think it's a prerequisite for this ultimate recession that we get this pickup in activity. We get this um, positioning towards a bull market and we get sort of a laid back attitude towards risks again. Um, what happened throughout the first half of the year was that too many people were too worried about the whole situation. Uh, and you never get a recession in such a scenario where everyone has planned for one. Um, the recession can only arrive if it's a surprise. Uh, we need an external trigger and it's very tricky to get an external trigger if everyone is already worried. Uh, so I think this rally in equities that is still like yet um, could sort of pave the way for a positioning and a laid back attitude that could ultimately trigger a recession, but that's a discussion for later. For now, stay invested. I think that's the main conclusion here. Okay, that's actually the first time I'm seeing that. And obviously, Andreas has been teaming up with Darius on the shirt conversation because that's amazing. His, he's rocking his summer shirt. Uh, that full episode is available on our website. If you're not a member, scan the QR code. I think Ralph said there's some trials for something crazy, like a dollar or something. Um, and a quick reminder, if you are a member, uh, a programming note for you. Um, in addition to set of signals, Andreas, there's a deep dive into Andreas's macro framework that is part of our academy sessions. So that's on Plus. So if you're thinking about upgrading to Plus or locking in your membership, you need to do all that before the 24th because things are going to change after that. Um, we've been letting you know all week, but if you've been distracted or away on vacation, make sure you go to the link that was either just up or will be up and Brian will put it in the chat um, so that you can go ahead and do everything you need to do before anything changes. Okay, so Noelle, um, interesting, interesting conversation. I mean, interesting thought rather from Andreas that you can't have a recession when everyone's expecting it. And that's kind of what was happening, wasn't it, in sort of the first half of the year? Absolutely. And then like, you know, well, watch caught never boils kind of thing. And sure enough, uh, he's right. I totally agree with them that it's when we are distracted and when we are comfortable, Maggie, 
that the highest risk is actually hidden in the market. And we are, let's face it, pretty comfortable. What's also interesting, I don't know if you saw this data point, but the divergence between the pessimist uh, forecasts for the S&P and the optimist forecasts for the S&P is at its widest point in something like a decade. There's a 30% difference in S&P targets for the end of the year. 30% is nuts. I mean, it's a bear market embedded in that difference right there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and, and, and it, it, we we've seen it because we have different camps that come on and have different viewpoints, at least on the timing, and that's what's been so hard on the timing of what happens. I want to get a question in here um, uh, from Mike. Uh, he says, given the amount of dollar debt and that OPEC kept a floor under the is keeping a floor under the oil price, why is there such a massive crowd thinking the dollar is going down? Good question, Mike. It's an excellent question. Thanks, Mike. But I think that, again, there's so much that goes into where the dollar is going to go. And part of it's geopolitical, part of it is monetary demand, et cetera. I think what is really behind this is it's not so much about the dollar heading down with the oil price, um, you know, manipulation, if you want to call it that. It's that when you when things are good in the United States, there's actually no reason for rates to continue to go up and that all eyes are on Japan. We found out today that they're not going to be tweaking their yield curve control this particular session, but people are now looking to September to the next time when the Japanese start raising their interest rates. At a time the United States might start lowering its interest rates, then we are going to get a big flow out of the dollar. The dollar is the world's safe haven currency, and I, I do buy into the smile theory, which is that you want to be in the dollar when things are really bad. You also want to be in the dollar when things are really good. But when things are are good, but there's turmoil else in the where and elsewhere in the world, but not so much, then you know there are other more interesting alternatives to be in. We have rates continuing to go up in Europe. We are probably going to see some tightening in Japan at some stage. Therefore, holding dollars becomes less attractive. This can change fast, though bit of geopolitical tension, and we can see that move quickly, which will beget more geopolitical tension because much of the world has dollar debt, which will suddenly become harder to service. And if you have to choose between paying your debt and buying wheat, you're probably going to choose to buy wheat. And right now, one of the things driving global liquidity is the lack of financial market stress. Again, that can change really fast should we see any more sovereign defaults. Yeah. Wow. That's an interesting. Well, we'll got to get back to that the minute you mentioned that. The problem is when there's financial stress these days, we often don't get any notice. Um, it, yes. it does seem to. That's why that's why it causes it. Um, just want to circle back be, because Christopher just said I was with Andreas until his conclusion. And you, you said, I think that you're thinking the same thing. So remember, Andreas is saying, oh, you can't have a recession. Maybe these conditions will actually lead to it. But for the moment, I remain invested. Yeah. The, do you yeah. think that that this is and, and this is Andreas sort of watching the market on a, on a shorter term and not wanting to kind of get in the way of the rally? I think, although I'll let Andreas use his own words around that. You, you don't agree with that, Noel? Personally, I don't. I do have to caveat that nothing I say is investment advice. Andreas is much, much better at that than I am, I am sure. But I am not invested in the stock market at the moment because I know that I can't time this very efficiently. We all know how fast things turn, as we've been talking about here. And uh, climbing the top, I'm not even going to try. I'm really not a very good trader. Mm -hmm. So it's, um, you know, but then again, there's serious career risk in missing the last leg of this rally. This is something that people are going to have to decide for themselves. I think that's one of the reasons why the stock market has start, continued to go up against all logic, in my opinion, 
was because people are realizing, oh, I'm missing this. This is definitely not good. And so there's more money coming in. But uh, as we talk about these valuations, just don't really make a lot of sense. I agree with Andreas that I, one thing I will, I will nitpick about, I don't think the ex, no expectations of recession will trigger the recession. I do think that the recession is going to be coming anyways. And the risk is that the market's just not pricing that in. Right. And, and is vulnerable, the more overextended perhaps you get on risk. And there, there's potentially two camps chasing it higher, right? The professionals who were bearish, remained bearish and missed it and have yeah. to cat, you know, keep up with benchmarks. And the individuals who get inevitably sucked in at the end, we talked about it yesterday with Jared, with the mom indicator, when his mom starts talking about stocks. So there's sort of two groups who might be, might be late in the party. Um, so this is where you know, in in on the academy and in some of the other master classes and academy sessions that I just mentioned before, for those who are not members that are in our sort of knowledge um, plus tier, this is about understanding your framework. What kind of trader are you, right? If you're a short-term tactical trader, um, which Andreas is advises some of them, then you're then you're operating on a super super short time frame. Or if your risk tolerance is super high, where you are going to try to capture every single because you have the ability to put in um, some defensive hedges so that you are positioned correctly, right? All of these things contribute to you and what how you feel about this short term. And then if you understand that you're longer term or have less risk tolerance, then you're going to behave differently, which is sort of what you were just addressing, Noelle, about not wanting to try to time the top. So really understanding who you are and how you trade is a super, super important part of this. And there's a whole section on the academy if you're not sure. And a lot of people think they're one thing and then they start walking through and they're like, oh, wait, hang on. I'm not. I'm not what I thought. Um, so it's really important. I want to answer and really, and smart, really, really smart traders like Andreas are going to have all sorts of mechanisms in to make sure that they can get out in time, even if it does mean some slippage or even taking a small loss from the top. It's something right. that they are very experienced in doing. And I admire that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and you can learn how to do it, but you got to know you want to. Um, want to ask you about missing the rally. Bitcoin. That's another rally that a lot of people missed flatlining a bit to down over the last month, but it's up 79% year to date, one of the best performing assets. What's your outlook there for people who are thinking about that, either from the sideline or who have been in the rally? I was about to say, what rally in Bitcoin? It's been trading range round now for a very well, long time. Well, bigger, bigger picture, yeah. right? So I'm going to shrink it down just from this year. Earlier this year, that was definitely a rally. That, but that was pretty easy one to predict because at 16,000, it was ridiculously oversold. And that was a bounce. What we need to remember, Maggie, about the crypto market, and um, my personal investments are in crypto. I do have to disclose that it, for various reasons we can get into. And that it's just really thin at the moment. So we had a strong rally earlier this year on really low volumes. We now have a pretty stagnant market on even lower volumes as if that were possible. The market is very thin, and this is a self-fulfilling cycle. I wouldn't say prophecy, that's not the right word. Uh, this is self-fulfilling in a way because with thin volumes, there's less incentive for the big players to come into the market, so volumes remain thin. What are they waiting for? They're waiting for volumes to pick up. It's very much a, you go first. No, you go first kind of thing. And until volumes and volatility pick up in the crypto markets, it's not really of sufficient interest to attract the new wave of institutional large investors that the market needs to move it into the next step. I do believe there are many 
There are more headwinds for the Bitcoin market now than there were a few months ago. Even during the last rally, there was still just a lot of, sorry, tailwinds. I should always get that mixed up. There were, there were a lot of headwinds then. There are more tailwinds now than headwinds. Largely, regulatory clarity is finally starting to take some very nebulous form in the US. We're getting some strong progress in Europe with uh, you know, a legacy bank getting licensed to deal in crypto assets. We have an Indonesian stock exchange I was reading this morning, sorry, crypto exchange, the first government-backed crypto exchange launched a couple of weeks ago, last week. And this is in the fourth largest country in the world. That is absolutely amazing. So there are a lot of tailwinds for crypto at the moment. What's missing is the conviction that now is the right time. Like we're talking about the before with the macro market, when it starts, it'll be really fast because it is thin, because there's been steady accumulation, even through the bear market, and because of the herd mentality when people realize that this is the one that they're missing out of. You you hinted at the end, the career risk of missing out on the next rally. That is going to be a very important feature of the next bull run, I believe. Yeah. And, and uh, John saying... Uh, has it not been a thinly traded market? If so, what will these fund managers have to do on the second half to make their marks? It's tricky. Very tricky. It also depends what we mean by fund managers. Most crypto native fund managers, most crypto funds, they're invested. I mean, there's not much more we're going to be able to squeeze from that stone. They are invested. All the market is waiting for now is more of the macro funds coming in and they don't need to invest in Bitcoin to get superior performance when you can you know, triple your money by investing in some of the AI sensitive stocks, unless there is a big correction in the tech indices and in all basically all broad stock market indices. This is where it's going to get really interesting, Maggie. People are touting Bitcoin as perhaps the alternative and it is, but that overlooks the fact that a lot of tech investors are also Bitcoin investors and if they have to raise cash in a hurry for margin calls or liquidations or whatever, then Bitcoin could well get hit as well. We saw this a couple of days ago when there was a brief risk-off uh, knee-jerk reaction to the NVIDIA earnings call and some of the other, and Tesla as well. Bitcoin got hit for unknown use because it is not unrelated yet. We know the correlations are lower than they've been in years, but it's not unrelated and will not be immune when the stock market correction comes. But stepping back, medium term, longer term, it is an alternative. It is unrelated to the economy, and there are geopolitical tailwinds that are going to push it into the next the next bound. That is a really important question you just answered that was on my mind, which is, does it still trade like a risk asset? And it sounds like right now that, that it does. One last question I'm going to sneak in from Christopher. Um, does Noel have a guesstimate on S&P earnings for 2023? I Lower. I'll go as far as saying lower. Because the general forecast is 9% down, but uh, picking up in the second half. And as I think we talked about earlier, Maggie, I, I just don't see that happening. I do think we have a stronger consumption crunch than is being priced in. So I'll go for lower. Okay, awesome. Um, Noelle, absolute pleasure to see you. Uh, be well. Thank Let you, us Maggie. know if you need anything. I hope everyone in our community does their best to rally around you. We certainly will. We look forward to having you on again in your awesome new badass hairdo. We love it. Rocking this. Thank you so Rocking much. It. I love it. Yeah. I love it. You're like an econ punker. I love it. It's mis It's fantastic. And I'm going to do what I usually do and toast everyone out for the weekend. Noel, we have a date when you're done and you're able to lift a glass again. Even if I have to fly to Spain, we're going to do it. 
Oh, I'm going to hold you to that. That'll be so much fun. Fantastic. Maybe we'll make it a proper meetup so we can all join in. Awesome. All right. Great. Best to you. Everyone, enjoy the long weekend. Take care and good luck out there. Rick Rule is a favorite in the Real Vision community. If you'd like to meet up with Rick and get a master class from the master himself, you'll want to head to the Rick Rule Symposium on Natural Resource Investing in Florida, July 23rd to the 27th. You'll get access to industry insiders, elite bullion dealers, gold council members, and uranium pros. Just head over to realvision.com forward slash Rick. Hey, I'm Nate Thurston, and I'm supposed to write a 30-second ad that tells you everything you need to know about my podcast, Good Morning Liberty, which I co-host with Charlie, my best friend of 20 years. That's a tough feat to accomplish, but let's give it a shot. At Good Morning Liberty, we cover the news every day from an individual liberty perspective. We believe that you own yourself, and a tyrannical, overreaching government is the biggest threat to your liberty. If you agree, you can find a new episode every day of the week on your podcast app or by going to BernieLies.com in your browser. 